Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost, and today we're at the National Equine Forum. This place is amazing. 250 of the top industry experts get together every year and discuss the future of the equestrian industry. And my guest today is Alan Hiscox. He's the Director of Safety at British Horse Society. How are you, Alan? Yeah, very good, Amy. Now, well, you, you. know, you know about safety uh, because you were a policeman for many years, weren't you? Uh, I was. I was in the uh, the Mounted Police in London for um, ooh, all of uh, all of thirty two years. Yeah. So uh, yeah, riding on the roads. You know, I have total empathy uh, with riders uh, who experience issues and problems on the roads because yes, I've I've ridden a young horse. You know, around some of the busiest roads, um, you know, in the world, and sometimes it's been on two legs, sometimes it's the front legs, sometimes it's the back legs. So I have total <laughs> empathy with all riders, and I still ride on the roads today. Do you? Do you still have horses? Uh, I don't have horses, but uh, I borrow other people's horses and still get out onto the road. So, yes, I, I know exactly what you know, recreational riders and uh, other riders that take their horses on the roads face. Well, let's be honest. Let, yeah, it's the traumas that we have to go through. Um, every day we're putting our lives at risk by riding anyway. But then to face the cars and the bikes and the scary cyclists, it's, it can be quite scary. It, it, it can. Um, I mean, yes, there are, are challenges to riding on the roads, but I feel that riders can help to prepare themselves and take you know, certain responsibilities on the roads as well. So we're not just sort of pointing the finger at drivers and saying, you know, we're trying to educate you and influence your behaviour on the roads. There are certain things that riders can, can do and take into consideration to, uh, to make themselves safer as well. What sort of things could they be? I mean, we, we have the obvious wearing high vis. Actually, it, interestingly, I couldn't believe, I watched this video on YouTube, Alan, and it was from a motorcyclist. And he has horses himself, so he understands, you know, plight that we go through and he did a video of moving along the road from light when it's really sunny into the shade and Mm -hmm. he couldn't see the horse he couldn't see the horse and rider because they weren't wearing high vis and I thought well that's quite interesting actually because we wouldn't think to wear our high vis on a sunny day we just think to wear it when it's really dark and and miserable. Well I mean you've hit on one of the points there and um, we commissioned the Transport Research Laboratory to do a study last year called the uh, conspicuity of horse riders on the roads and they came out with uh, with three recommendations uh, that 
you know, actually will help people. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science and all, all riders should wear conspicuous clothing uh, on the roads. I mean, their, their three recommendations were, and one's very interesting for anybody that's looking at speed limits uh, on, on rural roads, especially that are 60 miles an hour. They, their first recommendation was the speed limits on roads with significant horse and rider activity should be reduced and enforced. So, uh, you know, let, let me put this into perspective. It's not actually every road should have uh, speed limits reduced, but ones where there are, you know, significant horse and rider activity where a bridleway leads to another bridleway on the road. So that was the first one. The second one, riders should utilise clothing that contains LED lights, um, and this should cover as much of the rider as horse as possible. And what they're talking about is actually prioritising the width of the horse and rider rather than the height. So having LEDs on the shoulders of the rider and also on the points of hip of, of the horse. And the third one, riders should use bright and reflective safety clothing whenever feasible. And they're talking about biological motion cues, having uh, conspicuous or high visibility leg bands where the horse's uh, legs are obviously moving. Then looking at width over above height, but also looking at the dominant color, colors in the background so that they can you know, contrast accordingly because uh, sometimes in the, the certain times of the year, in, in, in autumn, perhaps you wouldn't want to wear an orange high-vis jacket. Uh, certain sometimes when the rapeseed is out, you wouldn't want to uh, wear the, the yellow. So it, it's, the riders have to look at their background and look at what they're doing on the roads. But I would say that at all times you should wear high-vis clothing. And even when you're riding on bridleways and out in the country, because um, helicopter pilots look out for that high-vis clothing. So it really is a, you know, a no-brainer when you go out riding, wear high-vis. Mm. And there are great new products coming out now too with the LED lights. And, and in terms of things that we can do, I think we're fully supported. And I, I'm guessing it's asking our friends and um, everybody on the yard to say, look, be safe. It's not embarrassing anymore. It's not, you're not going to look like a geek wearing it. It really doesn't matter. You need to be safe because too many people are having these accidents. So things like that we can do. I'm guessing learn our highway code, learning what the... Um, uh, you, you talk me through, what else can we do to make ourselves safer? Well, certainly the highway code applies to uh, riders as well as to, to car drivers. You know, make sure you are in control of your horse um, bef before you, you go out. Uh, think about where you're going. Think about letting somebody know where you're going. Ensure that as you're riding along, you're aware of everything that's happening around you. Concentrate all the time to make sure that, you know, in case of emergency numbers are, are, are put into your phone. Look behind you, see what um, uh, vehicles are, are, are behind you. And if they're all stacking up, then just pull into the side and perhaps into a, a lay-by or, or a gateway and allow the cars to go. So it's, it's about being aware. Uh, use, you know, uh, assertive hand signals because we've all seen riders uh, signalling to um, uh, to drivers and it, sometimes it looks more like they're waving at them as opposed to actually asking them to slow down or stop. So mm -hmm. correct and assertive hand signals. And also there's the British Horse Society uh, Ride Safe Assessment, which I would encourage every rider to uh, to, to look at and uh, yeah, look at. But as me, I've, I've ridden on the roads for many, many, many years and I look through that book and I'm going, oh, yes, of course, there's that. Don't forget this. Have a look at that. So it is that awareness. I'm guessing 
It's difficult when you've been riding for so many years. You can get comfortable and you can think, well, I've ridden on the roads for years. I know the road. I know the routes. I know where I'm going. And in that, in those circumstances, even if you know all your hand signals, how do we educate the drivers to help make us safer? Because I was doing a hand signal the other day, very politely. I'm always polite. I really like to say please and thank you. And even if they can't understand me because, you know, they can't hear me because they're driving, I still want to make it obvious and I'm smiley. Because I think if I can just make that one car driver respect me as a horse person and a rider, then um, hopefully they'll be nicer to the next horse rider. So I think we should all be saying thank you and, and being polite and, and we're the face of our industry. So, you know, it's important that we're nice. But when I was waving, you know, doing the slow down signal, which is my arm going up and down, the lady waved back at me and, and I was doing a clear signal. So that's quite difficult because she's not interpreting what I mean by my signals correctly. No, I mean, you've, uh, you've hit on a, on a point there. Firstly, talk about thanking drivers. Absolutely. You know, we should love drivers, even if you might not want to. You know, wide eyes, big smile, you know, hold your hand up to thank them if you can take your hands off the rein. But engage with the drivers because we have to make them, uh, you know, love us as horse riders. Because I'm sure you know, a vast majority of horse riders, you know, are probably drivers as well. I'm sure we've all passed by uh, horses and then receive no recognition at all that we've passed wide and slow. So that's the first point. The second one, educating drivers and trying to influence their behaviour. The British Horse Society are doing so much to try and actually educate drivers you know, with our dead slow campaign. And this is the, the, the sort of crux of what I'm talking about at the uh, forum. The work that we've been doing that covers everything from the Driving Instructors Association to the Motor Schools Association to working with uh, the police departments, road safety organisations, the Department of Transport. And it's all about educating drivers and trying to influence their behaviour to try and improve their knowledge, improve their attitude um, and ensure that they know how to pass horses safely. So what we've got is um, actually an actual uh, behaviour change technique. It's called um, an intervention implementation. And what we're saying to all drivers is, if I see a horse on the road, then I will slow down to a maximum of 15 miles an hour. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to sound my horn. I'm not going to rev my engine. And when safe to do so, I am going to pass the horse wide and slow, at least a car's width, if possible, and I'm going to drive slowly away. But we're also telling drivers at events, you know, we, we uh, talk to driving instructors and driving organisations as well, and we tell them about the signals that riders will do. And in fact, in um, section 215 of the Highway Code, it actually says, be aware of horse rider signals. So, yes, it is unfortunate that some drivers do not look at what riders are actually asking them to do. But if we are uh, smiling, uh, thanking them and actually being clear and concise with our signals, hopefully the message will get through. How can we go about changing the highway code? Right. Well, um, we, we engage with the Department of Transport. And um, when the highway code is uh, due for uh, review, the British Horse Society will be involved in, in that review and consultation process. And that is one of our 
uh, objectives is actually to to strengthen the highway code uh, and certainly um, you know that section 215 there's elements of it that I think can be strengthened. Yes Alan go on go fight the cause for us please because we need you to do that because we we all hate it we all hate riding on the roads and we don't want to do it but we have no choice we've got to get to the bridleways with all these bridleways that are closing down left right and centre there's even less places for us to ride and, and I do find it interesting in the highway code where some things that are I believe should be a necessity are actually seen as you have to be aware of it just like you said then you have to be aware of horse riders that's not enough you know the signs that you get in the highway code when people are doing their um, their driving tests there should be signs saying what do you do when you see a horse and what don't you do well, we're, we're talking to uh, to driving instructors, and actually, we're we're doing work with them to ensure that driving instructors, uh, you know, focus on how to pass a horse safely when they're when they're teaching uh, their students. We've talked to the um, DBSA, and in fact, their latest publication that is all about the theory test uh, includes our dead slow messages in there. So, you know, we're, we're doing as, as much as we can, uh, and. You also hit um, another very relevant point that we've got to tell drivers that, you know, horses and riders, we have to use the roads sometimes, given the choice. You know, we would never be on the roads, but we are going from, you know, multi-user track or a bridleway to another one, uh, or we're going back to the stables from a bridleway. So, Mm. and every time that I I talk to drivers, the penny drops a little bit further and they're saying, what, you don't really want to be on the roads? No, we don't, because together with the BHS Access Department, we're working for a safer off-road access as well. And equestrians are included, actually, in the um, uh, Highways England Road Investment Strategy now. So I sometimes say we are the forgotten vulnerable road users. There's pedestrians, cyclists and motorcyclists. Well, now it is becoming a case when we're not forgotten. So when everybody talks about vulnerable road users, whether it's the police, whether it's road safety organisations, or even the Department of Transport, it is pedestrians, cyclists, motorcyclists, and equestrians. So we've certainly, you know, as a, as a big win situation there. You've done amazing, Alan. Your team at the BHS, they really have, because we have these arguments, we go to our MPs and we tell them how we're unhappy, and they say, oh dear... And we need more than, oh dear, we, we need to see some changes. And it's so nice to see all the years of petitioning that you've done and having these conversations behind closed doors are actually coming to fruition. And, and now we're seeing the changes that we need. Well, yeah, and it is all about educating children. We, t- we tell them about um, the, the eyesight of, uh, of horses and how they are particularly aware because they're looking for predators because you cannot... Uh, remove that flight instinct from a horse you know that is as evolution that's not training even police horses the best trained police horse would still react to something it might just be a mm. flick of an ear or a, a muscle twitching but we're telling drivers you know their eyesight is picking things up so when we see you know a crisp packet the horse could well see a ghost you know when we see this little sparrow in the, in the hedge on the side of the road you know the horse could see a pterodactyl when we see a puddle you know the horse could see a big sinkhole and again the penny drops for the drivers and they're going oh right so there's three brains working there's the rider there's the driver and there's the horse telling them that they're flight animals you know, and horses are working to a risk assessment. You know, I don't want to anthropomorphise this too much, but it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. So they're either going to want to re- reduce, avoid, or actually remove that risk. And then 
come down to riders' responsibilities as well. You know, we can help them to accept those risks. So they're going to remove the risk by trying to kick. And we, we say to drivers and show them a film of just how quickly horses move and how far they can actually uh, throw out a leg. Um, the fact that, um, you know, that their whole, uh, I suppose, the psyche is that they are going to try and move away from something they're unsure of. So, mm. you know, there's, there, there, there's the educating the drivers. So that's why they should pass wide and slow. That's why they should be a maximum of 15 miles an hour. And again, the penny drops and say, oh, but they move that quickly. Yes, they do. But their eyesight might see this. Yes, that's right. So it is all about um, giving them the, um, those messages. You know, if I see a horse on the road, then I will. Uh, but also telling them why that should happen. I think there's an element of breaking down the arrogance as well, because every road user seems to think that they're the most hard done by. Um, whether, you know, they're, they're riding a, uh, on a horse, riding a bike, riding a motorbike, or driving in a car, they all think, oh, well, I'm, you know, a car driver says, well, I'm not getting to my place quick enough because the cyclist is in the way. And the cyclist says, oh, but, you know, I, it's dangerous to be with a horse because it could, ki-. you know, there are all these different issues. Ultimately, I think we have to take on some responsibility and say, yep, we're all in this together, so let's just try and get through it together. But an interesting thing that that I've been told frequently on the roads, and bearing in mind I'm super polite, um, is your horse shouldn't be on the road because you're putting yourself and your horse at risk riding on the road, and it's dangerous to have your horse on the road. And my response is... I'd like to be able to educate that driver and I say yes I um the young horses in particular it seems that many people have issues with young horses being on the road which I understand but how do you get a horse used to being on the road if you don't take them out on quiet roads yeah uh, absolutely and again <laughs> we, we we talk to drivers and tell them that you know if you see a horse in a in a in a pair riding alongside the chances are that the inside horse will either be a young rider uh, have a young rider or, or a young horse that's learning how to accept um you know nuisances and uh, cars passing by so again it's getting that one over and we are working with um, Cycling UK. We're working with the motorcycle industry as vulnerable users. So the message is, is, is getting out there. So I, I think, and I've been told by a lot of riders that probably the most sympathetic road users on the road are motorcyclists. Perhaps they actually feel that sort of um, affinity with another vulnerable road user. Mm. But yes, it's, it's all about trying to get this. And we're not going to reach every driver if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for 
you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, e- even if our Dead Slow campaign was the most successful and continues to be the most successful, you know, there'll still be those um, slightly arrogant drivers out there. And we'll, we'll, never, we'll never reach those. But, you know, at the, uh, uh, the Equine Forum, you know, we're going to be releasing uh, our... Uh, up-to-date figures and um you know it, it'll it'll be interesting it's it but it's just something that i really feel very passionate about uh perhaps it was because of my experiences um you know on a police horse and even though you know i was on a police horse there were uh ignorant people around you know we you'd ride along the road and there'd be um a delivery van up ahead with a roller shutter and you could pretty much um, expect that somebody would slam the roller shutter down just as you were passing mm. or they'd bang on the side of the. So, you know, I, I know and I hope everybody else realises we it's impossible to reach every driver. But if we can save one life, if we can save one horse's life, if we can actually bring the number of incidents down, then, um, you know, that, that, is, uh, that is a success for the, for the Dead Slow campaign. And what I would also emphasise is we need the statistics. We need people to report any incident, even if it's a near miss, to our uh, horse accidents website on, on, on the BHS website because it's those stats that then we can go to the government and say, look, this is the reality. This is what's happening on our roads. And that's when they sit up and listen and that's exactly what happened at the Westminster Hall debate uh, on July the 4th last year. And the Transport Minister heard our statistics. And uh, then we're working with, uh, with the DFT to ensure that our whole Saxons website you know, can be verified, can be validated. And uh, everybody will say, well, you know what, that BHS Horse Saxons website, that is producing what is a more realistic picture of what's mm. happening on the roads. Mm. Do, do, does the, your statistics, do they include near misses? Yes, they do. Yeah, and that, and that is important as well. We'd like drivers to report near misses with horses, so that we can look and analyse and see if there's any you know hot spots around the country, if there's any action that we can take, if there's any advice that we can take. So yes, near misses are part of it. Um, I'm presuming that cameras have helped quite a lot, having little head cams or cameras on the back. Or um, I'm thinking again of those high vis. You've got two high vises that I love, which one says "Young Horse in Training." I think that's really mm-hmm. good. And the other one says you're being watched yes. <laughs> because it's got a camera. And, and it, it, does that make people just kind of think a little bit more before they react? Well, again, the Transport Research Laboratory um, 
actual writing on the conspicuous high-vis clothing, uh, there's no proof that that actually makes people uh, slow down or pay any more attention. Uh, I mean, there's, um, there's an urban myth that it does, but the more that drivers realise, and it's happening everywhere with dash cams in cars, motorcyclists have them, that they may well be filmed uh, passing a horse too fast or too close. And the police units are uh, actually taking this very, very seriously. It's Operation Snap in Wales where riders can send in their footage. And there's, um, there's been letters sent out to, to drivers. There's actually been um, prosecutions taking place with, the, with Operation Snap. And that is becoming more and more across you know, all the, uh, the UK forces. And there's um, another great initiative up in Scotland, Police Scotland, their mounted unit, actually going out in plain clothes on horses and um, there's a traffic car further up the road so when a car passes you know the plain clothes police officer too fast or too close they're stopped by a traffic car further up the road and the driver is is educated on them um, on how he should be passing or how he or she should be passing a horse oh, that's brilliant they don't hand out yeah. tickets yet they well they, they started off with education uh, and then they're going to move to uh, an enforcement um, basis. But this, it comes with our link with Cycling UK because there's the close pass operation where there's plainclothes uh, police officers go out on, on bikes mm. and exactly the same thing happens. So there, there again, that, that's, um, that link with cyclists, vulnerable road users, you know, it's the same message that mm. between cyclists and, uh, and, and horses trying to get the drivers. You know, pass us slowly, pass us wide. And just ensure that um, you're aware that uh, something untoward may happen. I do. I think it's great. And I, and I think having that opportunity to work with Cycling UK and like you said, the other vulnerable users, it's nice that everyone's coming together because um, for a long time, and I, you know, I'm certainly not proud of it, I did used to think of cyclists as the silent killers because when they, drive, when they ride past, they're so quiet, we don't know that they're coming. And then suddenly they have a gear change right next to you and that's it, you're in the bush, there's no choice. But um, I, I've started, which many people uh my friends when they're out riding with me find it quite amusing but I actually say hello to the cyclists from a distance so if they're coming up from behind I'm like hi how are you trying to get them to talk and and if they're coming from a front I do the same and then I just chat to them the whole way when they're driving past and actually it was a a tourist that had gone for it because I live in the in the new forest and it was a right. tourist cyclist that stopped. And he said, why are you talking to me? And I said, well, okay. because my horse is really scared of you. You're this super quick cyclist going past, silent, and then you might do a gear change and he's afraid of you. So if I talk to you and you talk back, he knows you're there. And she said, I'd never thought of it like that. I thought if I was quiet, I wouldn't scare them. Well, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is, it is a common uh, misconception there. But again, we're working with Cycling UK and we're going to have a joint code of conduct for um, riders and, and cyclists. So that's going to uh, happen very soon as well. It's great that we are having these, these collaborations because it can only, it's going to improve the safety of cyclists and it's going to improve the safety of, of horse riders because we don't want riders to get kicked, but we don't, riders of cycles that is, but also we don't want uh, cyclists creeping up on horses as you've experienced but what you did it's great i mean to me that is just that is, that is common sense and actually engaging these people and talking about them it informs them and it just just gets that um that sort of uh, uh appreciation of each other's uh, issues and problems a little bit of empathy goes a really long way absolutely
One of my favourite posts I've seen on Facebook recently is um, a, a motorcyclist and he was driving along the road and there was a group of them, there were about six uh, motorcyclists and they'd all pulled over and there was this very scared horse trying to get past. So he, as a rider, as a motorcycle rider, he takes out polos with him. And right, um, yes. the rider can come along, he gives them a polo, they're happy, they get to have a sniff of the bike, and he's so understanding. And, the, and it was lovely to see the rider really grateful. And I think if people could see how grateful we are when, that, when we meet somebody like that who's so prepared to help our horses get through it, then um, I, I wish they could see that passion and, that, and, and how grateful we are. No, you're, you're right. And uh, if people contact the uh, the British Horse Society, you know, we are happy to uh, send out a letter to um, driving organisations or, you know, a, a van that goes past and takes um, takes its time. Then we'll, we'll thank those people for you or you can get onto their website as, as well and, and thank them. And you're absolutely right. Um, when somebody does pass sympathetically be it a motorcyclist be it a cyclist or a, or a car or, or a, an HGV you know it's, it's nice to say thank you but also mm. you know if you catch the company drop them a little line drop them an email because the drivers like to hear that as well well we're so quick to shout and get angry aren't we and we're so quick to blame um but ultimately we're not going to make any changes unless we open up conversations with people no, and and that's what uh, that's what we've been doing for the past year. You know, and there's other people uh, involved, and other organisations involved in uh, you know, the safety of horse riders. So you know, we're, we're working with them, and together, I, I believe we are making a difference. It might only be a small difference, but we have more riders telling us that they have noticed a bit of a change uh, in in the way uh, drivers. Um, uh, react to them so you know maybe uh, maybe we are getting there alan how can you are getting there i think it's great how are we how can we help you as an industry that ride every day that have these horses how can we support what you're doing on our behalf well if you're having any events then the bhs is happy to come out and um talk at these events to, if the driver's there as well and uh, invite driving organizations actually the responsibilities of the riders as well report all incidents uh, on our horse accidents website and 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 be aware of, of what's happening thank dri- uh, drivers uh, and just just help the, that whole message getting out there but the awareness of the dead slow campaign mps are getting involved so you know write to your mp i've been along to um uh, to meet some MPs with some some equestrians and riders, and we've talked it talked it through. So even in, in Westminster, there are some uh, there's, there's some very sympathetic uh, members of Parliament there to uh, to the Dead Slow campaign and uh, that message through to the Department of Transport. I think sometimes the focus is always on rural areas. I remember keeping my horse in a non-rural area uh, where there was a little bit of land, and it's really hard for those people because you've got buses and taxis and busy roads, and you know if you live in a rural area you're lucky but when you have to deal with that every day I remember these this traffic like crossroads and it was one of the busiest junctions in the area and if I wanted to ride I had to go across this junction and so in the grand scheme of things it's where where do we focus our educating people and where do we focus on kind of teaching them that we just need a little bit of support rather than we, we don't want to get in their way well yes um 
That's, that's very true. And 59% of all fatalities actually occur on country roads. But IAM Road Smart, the Institute of Advanced Motorists, they have a rural roads campaign and they've involved um, the British Horse Society in, in advice there. So rural roads, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big focus. Um, and it, it is, it's just slowly, slowly getting, getting that message out there and respect from each other. If we can just go back to the cameras, um, if we see something that if we've been treated badly on the road uh, and we have some footage of it, what happens then if we send that into the police? Are the police going to do something? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I keep quoting Operation Snap because that is the, um, I would say, the gold standard of uh, helmet cam and, and dash cam. But there's also Operation Considerate in Greater Manchester. There's Operation Spartan in North Yorkshire. And other police units around the country have their, their own uh, camera units. And yes, they, they will look at it. But one, one thing I must emphasise is that riders mustn't put it on social media. Uh, and they also need to have... Um, you know, about 15 minutes of film both before and after the incident. But I can I can assure riders that in all the dealings that I've had with police units, that uh, they are very much aware of the issue. You know, there's, there's, there's funding issues uh, in the in the police service, so they do have their their priorities. But uh, every dealing that I've had with the police. They have been uh, very sympathetic of the um, the incidents that have taken place with horse riders. Mm. The fear I have is when a police car or an ambulance goes past. And I've been so lucky because they've always turned their sirens off because they learn. But it's still that, oh, no, have you seen me? Have you seen me? Can you turn them off? <laughs> no. And indeed, you know, that's, that's in police training. And I was only talking to a police driving instructor a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and he says, yes, no, that is, is, is actually ingrained in emergency services vehicles. And we had uh, an incident last year where uh, there was a fire engine that was on route to uh, an emergency and there was a rider and you know they did turn their sirens they turned their blue lights off and passed really really slowly and the, the rider was so impressed with the response from the the, the fire service that she wrote to them and they had yeah. a, a, very, a very big P- pr exercise with the local papers and the local uh, media was it was uh, invited along and the riders were given a tour around uh, the fire station so yeah it's there, there, there are some, there's some really good, good news stories out there. There's no doubt about that. Well, Alan, thank you so much for everything that you and your team do at the British Horse Society. Um, I, I feel like you're our little soldiers championing our cause for us. So how, if we'd like more information, what's your website address? Yes, if you go to bhs.org.uk and you can write us uh, an email to the safety team and yet yeah, we, we we'll get back to you we'll come out to uh, to your areas we've got regional managers all around um, uh, the country and also we have volunteer safety officers so yeah we, we'd love to hear everybody's uh, stories good or bad but we'd like to hear good as well uh, and mm. um, we, we, we're very happy to uh, um, to look into uh, to everything but you know, I, I'll, I'll emphasise once again. You know, I'm really, really passionate about this, um, and I do think we are making um, quite a lot of um, uh, movements here with, uh, with with development authorities. Well, I'm glad you're passionate. It works, I and mean, it's nice to meet the man behind the brand. Alan, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much, and thank you for speaking at the National Equine Forum today. We can also follow you on Twitter. You're at yep. British Horse, and we can head to your website. Thanks, Alan. Okay, thanks, Amy.
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can catch all the podcasts from the National Equine Forum on their website. Just head to nationalequineforum.com and you can see them on our website, horsehour.co.uk. I hope you enjoyed the live stream and getting involved in the conversations, asking your questions to the panel and to the speakers just by using hashtag horsehour, hashtag NEF. You'll be able to replay the videos from the forum if you just have a look at their website and their YouTube channel. Now, this event wouldn't be possible without the friends of the forum. Our corporate friends are the Blue Cross, Dodson and Horrell, the Donkey Sanctuary, Hadlow College, New Shul and SEIB Insurance Brokers. Along with individual friends, thank you so much to everybody that takes part in the National Equine Forum and organising it and uh, making sure it's super successful every single year. We'd also like to say thank you to the forum sponsors Sponsors, Beta, British Equine Veterinary Association, the British Horse Society, Bransby Horses, the Jeffreys Scholarship Trust, Bedmax, HBLB, Red Wings, Weatherbees, the World Horse Welfare, the Horse Trust, BHA, which is the British Horse Racing Authority, the British Equestrian Federation, and our great supporters, Bully Davy, Craig Payne, NFU Mutual. And uh, we're proud to be supporters of the forum too. Really looking forward to next year. Already there's a date set. It will be the 27th National Equine Forum. And it takes place Thursday, the 7th of March, 2019. I can't believe we're talking about that already. So pop that in your diary, 7th of March next year. So I hope you enjoyed this year's National Equine Forum. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.